0: they had all other false gods that they believed in but Jonah says the God that I worship is the God of heaven the God of earth the God of the sea when he said that the Mariners feared God this world has not had a church declaring he who is magnificent he who is eternal They've not been hearing it loud enough, clear enough, a clarion call to this generation that there is a God who created heaven, a God who created earth, a God who created the sea and all that is therein. They need to hear churches across America declaring with open mouths today how wonderful, how magnificent, how great, how glorious, how awesome. God, come on, would you not lift your voice with me Would you not open your voice up and praise God? Lift up a praise. Let the church lift up a praise. Come on, open your mouth. Come on. Open your lips. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise, eternal God. I want everyone to remain standing and turn in the scriptures to Jonah chapter 2. I need all of our ushers, please help me quickly. All of our ushers, I know many of them are out, so some of you folks fill in the post. While I'm reading the scripture, making these introductory remarks, I want you to pass out the God and country tickets that we have there about the outdoor service a week from tonight. This is a very important thing. It is a spiritual evening. It is something God put in our heart And we're going to obey God, and the church is going outdoors. And we're going to worship God outside from 5 to 7, 5 to 7.30, pardon me, 5 to 7.30. Some great fun, food and fellowship, some new things this year. I mean, it's just going to be great. But 7.30, we're asking the God of heaven to visit earth. And I want you here, and I want you inviting people, connecting with people this week. At 9 o'clock, I want you to pray with me that something prophetic will happen. If we will pray, God will cause this to happen. I want us to pray something prophetic will happen as those fireworks go out. We're lighting the darkness. We're calling America back to God. We're believing for revival. It's not about fireworks from a natural perspective. I want there to be a spiritual application of what happens. That we're prophesying the light over America, over Jacksonville, over our families. Amen. I want you to pray this week that there will be a prophetic aspect to what we do next Sunday night. That the light is over our families, over our church, over our city, over our nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, Sheol, the place of departed spirits, cried I. And thou heardst my voice. Look at verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Verse 1 and 2, Jonah prayed and the Lord answered. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says God does nothing but in answer to prayer. If that is true... The church better pray. Christians better pray. It's an hour to pray. I heard it this week by some of the Franklin Graham leadership. We had our final meeting uh, to wrap up all of the details of the festival. And, and they responded talking about Billy Graham had, had uh, for many years kept saying this. God does nothing but in an answer to prayer. God does nothing in answer to, but in an answer to prayer. I'm telling you, friends, the church must pray. Jonah prayed, verse 1 and 2, and the Lord, verse 10, spake unto a fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. You may be seated. Please get your papers out so you can take some notes. And I want you to write down first, history repeats itself. History repeats itself. Empires have come and gone down through the history of mankind all of them pointing towards the future one-world government. This thought hit me this week that all of the empires that we've seen in the history of man are really laying the groundwork for the one-world government for the rise of the Antichrist, the fulfillment of the great empire that will be the Antichrist kingdom. And everything that you see taking place around us, friends, A one-world government is being sought after. The cashless society, which has once again been in the news in the last few days. The trade agreement that's being pushed through Congress that will affect 90% of the world's uh, gross national product. The implementation of the mark and things that are preparatory to the mark of the beast that this week... Some seated in this sanctuary when they went to their doctor's office now have to use a palm scanner to scan in that they now are in their local doctor's office. And it immediately by reading their palm brings up all their data and information. It's implemented already right here in our doctor's offices. I'm telling you there is so much happening in our world to remind us that we are pressing quickly towards a one world government and the rise of the Antichrist. When you look at history, you see the fall of the Egyptian empire. What an incredible empire. And yet we read of what they did to Israel, the bondage that they enslaved Israel with and God judged Egypt and their empire was lost to human history. We read about the Assyrian Empire attacking Israel in 722 B.C., and not many years later, the Assyrian Empire fell and was conquered. We read about Babylon attacking Israel in 587 B.C., and Babylon falls just a few years later in 539 B.C. We read about the fall of the Persians and the Grecians, and we read about the rise of the Roman Empire, and we read about their attack upon Israel. Jonathan Kahn and I were emailing back and forth this week, and he just got back from Rome, and he was telling me how that he stood under the Arch of Titus, which is one of the most incredible historic landmarks. To see, it is a tribute to Titus going into Israel, going into Jerusalem in AD 70, ransacking the city, destroying the city, and destroying the temple. But you know, I, I emailed back to him, it is a permanent marker in history that, that Titus uh, attacked Israel and Rome is no longer, but Israel still stands today. I want to tell you, friends, human history is replete and human history repeats itself. Every time a nation lifts its hand against the apple of God's eye, that nation is in trouble. Empires have come and fall. And I read numbers of articles over the last few days about the fall of the American empire. It's incredible. I want to tell you, friends, there is a curtain call. And if something doesn't happen, If America doesn't see a revival in this hour, I'm here to declare on this third Sunday of this series, we must have revival in America. We must see fathers get back to serving God, living for God, and doing the will of God. Men being men in America and leading their families in worship of God. America is on a slippery slope even the two Palestinian, the Palestinian state and the Israeli state, that was proposed this week, again, and it was it was denounced uh, by the Palestinian leader that they would uh, they would subscribe to nothing but uh, the Palestinian state. I, I want to tell you uh, there is a one-world governance that is being pushed for. And Mr. President, all the leaders of Congress and America, you better learn quickly the value of the lessons of history. Don't touch Israel. Don't touch the apple of God's eye. God says, I will curse them that curse thee. God's word is very clear that he has a foreign policy for the nations of the earth. Son of the republic, look and learn. America, your curtain call could be near. Don't touch Israel. Return to the Lord God who is merciful. Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past. Summer is coming to an end and we are not saved. I remind us that God is a God of history and you can't put God in a box, but God leaves certain footprints in history that we need to learn from. And one of those footprints leads us to this fall, to September, to the end of a seven-year cycle. And friends, what has happened at the end of that seven-year cycle ought to be a reminder that human history repeats itself because God changes not And only God hearing the prayers of the righteous and God's people calling out upon him. Friends, I'm telling you, we don't want the end of this cycle in September uh, to come and us having not turned to God and not called on the name of the Lord. We want to be a repentant people. The summer is ending, Jeremiah said. The harvest is past, but we want America saved is our battle cry. The first Sunday of this series, two weeks ago, I asked you who will hold the rope. Last Sunday, I asked you who will carry the light. Today, today I'm asking you who's going to pray for our nation. Point number one Jonah in chapter 2, verse 1, prayed to God. Everyone, open the scriptures. Jonah prayed to God. In verse 15, he's thrown into the sea of the previous chapter, and immediately the sea ceases. You get back in the will of God and stop your running from God, and some things will cease. Amen. Amen. Men repented and they sacrificed to Jonah's God. Verse 17, God prepares a fish, and a fish swallows Jonah. I did a lot of research and looking up information, and it was most likely a, a sperm whale that that swallowed Jonah, and he was in the belly of that well three days and three nights. Jesus used this very illustration to define specifically how long he would be in the grave. It's very clear. He used Jonah, it's very clear in these verses, he was there three days and three nights. Jesus recites that very exact verse that he would be in the earth, be in the grave, three, as Jonah was, three days and three nights. And so we shouldn't make this a hard lesson, amen. This is very clear. Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights, as was Jonah three days and three nights. And then this fish has swallowed him. He's there in the belly of the fish. And look at verse 1. In the belly of the fish, he prays unto God. Jonah called in the midst of his situation, in the midst of his calamity, he calls upon God. But God did not leave him in the waters to drown. God did not leave him in the waters for sharks to dismember his body. I want you to watch this. The Lord gave me a word for someone. Sometimes God puts us in a place where we will not be dismembered or where we will not physically die so that he can capture us and get our attention so that we will die to self. And I had this word while I was writing these notes that sometimes God puts people in a a facility or in a place where he can safeguard them long enough to get them straightened out where they will say not my will but thine be done because had they still been out in the waters of life the sharks may have dismembered them that they may have drowned in the seas of the ocean but god put them in a safe cocoon a safe pavilion so that he could get their attention and they would once again cry out to god so mama have courage and faith today god's not finished with your loved one i don't know who that's for but that's for somebody amen wherever you are cry out to the lord in verse two because of my affliction the king james says the english standard version says in my distress i cried unto the lord the best thing you can do father on father's day in your distress is cry unto god cry out to the lord he hears you when you cry verse two jonah says out of the belly of sheol hell the departed spirits this happened about nine about 746 bc And Jonah there in the fish's belly, he cries out to God, no matter where you find yourself today, call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that would to God that men would always pray and not faint. He may have you in a dark, closed dungeon. I'm telling you, the fish's belly was dark. It was closed in, not a lot of movement. Amen, he can't get up and sing Father Abraham. He's just just right there, closed in, dark dungeon. He cried unto the Lord. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, you may feel closed in by the circumstances, by the difficulties. Cry out to the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. Paul and Silas cried out to the Lord in prison, and God heard them and broke them out. Look at verse 7. I want everybody to look at this. Now, we believe in verse 7 that Jonah died. He said my soul fainted within me. Jonah died in the belly of the whale. But look at Jonah in these following verses beginning with verse 9. He's about to break out. Amen. Crucial to his break out and breakthrough was the praise that came forth in verse 9. I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Jonah is in the belly of the whale and he says I'm going to make a sacrifice. A sacrifice is not always when you feel like it. You may have come to the house of God and don't feel on top of the world this morning. You may feel trapped by some circumstances. You may feel uh, under the gun about some things that are going on with your family. Your children may not be living right and things may be happening around you. He says, I'm going to sacrifice but with the voice of thanksgiving. You need to just lift your voice today and you need to raise your hands in spite of the... Cer- you don't give God praise when you feel like it. You give God praise because he is God, he's in control and the situations are not out of his hands. If we only gave God praise when we felt like it and when everything was going good, uh, there'd be a lot of times that we would miss breakthrough times. And he says, I will sacrifice thanksgiving to, I want everybody to lift your hands and give him some praise right now, all across this room, online campus, come on, give him some praise right now. Right now, sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. It's about to get good in here. Look at verse 9. I will pay that which I have vowed. How many have ever made a promise to God? Down through life, look over your whole life very quickly. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever made a promise to God. You know, a, A significant percent, I don't know if it's 90%, have made a promise at some point. Do you know God's never forgot that promise? God did not forget Jonah's promise. And Jonah said, I will pay that that I have vowed. God remembers every vow, every promise you made. And the Bible says it's better not to make a vow than to make it and break it. God remembers. And Jonah says, Lord, you get me out of this mess. I'm going to praise you for deliverance. I'm going to praise you for breakthrough. And I'm going to pay my vows just as soon as I can. You may have vowed a vow that if God would bless your business, you'd do such and such. Or if God would save your kids, you'd do such and such. I'm telling you, God still remembers your vows. And when Jonah says, you get me out of this, you, I'm going to praise my way to victory. And God, when you get me out, the first thing I'm going to do is pay my vows. Come on, you owe something to God. God's been good to you. And God remembers those vows. And we need to pay our vows. Amen. But look at Verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish. When Jonah prayed, God spoke to a fish. Amen. He can still speak to fish. I believe that. And he spoke to that fish and he says, puke him out, vomit him out. And that fish vomited Jonah on dry ground. Here is a bigoted prophet running from the will of God, away from God, refusing to do God's will, thinking he's going to flee from the presence of God. And all that got him was tied up with seaweed in the belly of a fish. All of a sudden, he gets ejected out of that fish's mouth up on dry ground. He comes out, listen, he's still got vomit all over him. God didn't put him through a car wash or a man wash. He had to clean up. You may come up in here and repent today and and maybe you're getting right with God, but there's still some things you got to get off of you. Amen. Uh, There's still some of the old life uh, you need to get off of you. You've been wallowing in the world of of all of its filth and all of its degradation, uh, but you've come back to God and you've prayed to God and there's some things that you need to get off of you. Amen. He had to get, before he went into Nineveh in chapter 3, he had to get cleaned up. And I just believe God's wanting to clean some folk up. Amen. Uh, you're in, a, you're in a, not only a Pentecostal church, you're in a holiness church. Backslidden prophet gave a whale a stomachache. And the whale vomited him out. It'll still give nauseousness to the fish when you're running from God, to the plan of God when you're not submitting. Point number two, George Washington, son of the republic. On Father's Day, we pay tribute to all you dads and the role that you have in life and the role that you have in family. Three years after the Revolutionary War began, George Washington was dubbed and called the father of our nation. As a founding father, he was an example to the ensuing generations. Dad, never forget, and you need to realize on Father's Day your responsibility to the family and to those that are watching your life. I asked some folk who who study history who are in this congregation this morning to give me some thoughts on George Washington, and here are the thoughts about this man's life, a model of integrity. Men, emulate that integrity still matters a model of honesty duty honor loyalty tenacity reverence dignity was a gentleman a patriot the motto at West Point taken from the life of George Washington of honor duty country when George Washington you know he was such a model man and such a man of sterling character that it was written concerning his life and most likely uh, this was a fable written about him but to illustrate the point of his character traits, his virtue. That when he was a young lad he was given a hatchet and that he chopped down his dad's cherry tree and that he could not tell a lie. And the whole point of that illustration and that story that was told uh, concerning George Washington uh, was his moral character, his virtues. Washington's public greatness was due to his private virtues. Somebody say amen. Amen. He was a man of noble character. Wish to God that we had men and women in governmental places of noble character today. That seems to be a foreign word in the hour in which we live. Where has the virtue gone in America? George Washington helped lead the revolution against the tyranny of England, which also included the religious tyranny of its day that was taking place. On January the 27th, 1793, George Washington said, every person should hear and be, a- should hear and be able to worship God according to the dictates of their heart. He appointed Samuel Chase to the Supreme Court and Samuel Chase uh, wrote, at the Supreme, when he was in leadership in the Supreme Court, that by our form of government, the Christian religion is established as the religion of America. In 1776, the state of Maryland passed a law that any person of the Christian religion, no matter what denomination, had protection in their religious liberties, that every person who had any office had to take an oath when they took that office. And they had to declare a declaration of belief in the Christian religion. At age 20, in 1752, before he came on the scene, on Sunday morning, he prayed a prayer. Then again on Sunday night that we have the words from, we are calling on Almighty God, the most merciful Father that taught Israel to offer up daily sacrifices. I will praise you for the protection night and day. It's a good prayer. Pardon, I beseech thee, my sins. Remove them from, my pre- from thy presence as far as the east is from the west. Bless my family. Be our God and guide. For his sake, who lay down in the grave and arose again for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. His speech to the Delaware Indians, the chiefs who gathered on May 12, 1779, and by the way, some of those Indians recounted the fact that they had seen and witnessed how that numerous times Washington was shot at and that seemingly there was some kind of providential protection upon him that he could take off his coat and bullet fragments would fall, that there would be holes in his, in his hat and God was just sovereignly protecting him as he was leading the revolution. But he makes this and they, call, they these Indian chiefs called him a ghost. Well, I believe it was the Holy Ghost. Amen. Speech to the Delaware Chiefs on May 12, 1779. You will do well to wish to learn our arts and the ways of life and above all, our religion of Jesus Christ. Congress will do everything they can to assist you. George Washington regularly attended church. Now, here's a novel idea. He paid for the pews at the churches he attended. Hallelujah. Amen. What if you had to pay for the pew that you're sitting on? Amen. But he paid for the pews, and many of the churches he attended, those pews were located on the very front row. He loved to sit on the front row, but watch this. During his two terms as president, every city that he ever visited, he attended church services, as many as three church services a day in being in church. His prayers at Valley Forge are well known. But I want to mention something that's not as well known this morning, and I'll hasten. A vision that George Washington is said to have had, and I want to qualify this, that State Senator Mel Richardson, who is the chairman of the Board of American Family Institute, related this. After his research and his connection with the Library of Congress, and I want everybody to understand very clearly, This comes from Mel Richardson, chairman of the board of the American Family Institute. He was state senator for over 20 years in Idaho. And he wrote this and released this on April 10th after having worked with the Library of Congress. And they validated the authenticity of the vision. And when it was released in America, they would not validate who had the vision. Uh, They left that up. They said, we will leave that in your hands, but they validated the vision was in the national papers prior to, the complete vision prior to the Civil War. So what I'm saying is there was a vision being circulated. Many believe it was a vision that George Washington had, but it was a vision, and it's important to get the date here, and Library of Congress validates this prior to the Civil War. In this vision, there was a vision by an angel coming and revealing that there would be three great perils against the United States of America. And the first was the Revolutionary War that they were involved in. The second would be another great war of Americans fighting Americans. And this was printed. It was in the National Stars and Stripes prior to the Civil War. It was printed and it followed suit that that second great peril. But the third great peril that was seen in that vision was a peril yet to come towards the end of time when from other continents people would come and would attack this nation and that as this nation came together as a union in fact the angel had on his on what he was wearing his headpiece union that as the nation came together in unity where the lord finds unity he'll command the blessing. The reason the devil wants to divide is because the loss of anointing and the loss of the ability uh, to do powerful things. One shall put a thousand to flight. Two shall put ten thousand to flight. But this great peril came upon the nation. And the attack from without came upon the nation. And this nation uh, was faltering. But then the light of God's presence came and God gave the victory to the nation. As men sought the Lord and as men came together in unity. Point number three. Who will stand for America? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. At the close of World War II said that inaction is actually action. Inaction is actually action. Not to speak is to speak. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Hosea 4, 6 says, if we forget God and we forget his word, God will forget our children. I want you to watch this. A little over a month ago, a month and two weeks, a nation in Europe rewrote the definition of marriage. Marriage and less than five weeks later, their children are dying in the streets. Six of their children died in California a week ago, all at one time, all from the same country. God says, when you forget my word and you forget my law, I will forget your children. America, take heed. When a man can walk on the grounds of a church and steal from the house of God break into the buildings and steal equipment that belongs to the work of God he's lost his fear of God when a man can go to the house of God where people are worshiping and studying the scriptures and praying to the eternal God and a man can dare break the ten commandments and the laws of God and taking another life he's lost the fear of God I'm telling you, we've raised a generation that knows not the Almighty God and they have no fear of God. We've taken the Bible out of the schools and we've taken Christianity out of their lives and man no longer fears God. I fear God. I fear standing before Him one day and not hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. America has lost the fear of God. And we've raised a generation of sons that are angry, sons that are in rebellion. Psalms 11.3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? This stone represents the foundation of America. And friends, there's some cracks in the stones. Our history is marred by some cracks and things that have been taking place that remind us we're on a slippery slope and our empire can fall. When we took prayer and Bible out of the schools, one uh, in 1962, exactly this week, June 25th, in 1962, we were on a slippery slope. When we legalized the murder, Of babies in the womb through abortion with Roe v. Wade in 1973. I'm telling you, it was a major crack in our republic. God may be forgetting our children. And we're seeing a generation now that's arising. When we read all these things that have happened in 2013, the struggle in the courts to take out one nation under God, we better not denounce God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Last year they were struggling to take off of our currency in God we trust. You better have God at the basis and the foundation of your jobs, your homes, your bank accounts, your finances. The quote, whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. I denounce that, friends, and declare that we were a nation founded by men and women that were hungry for the presence of God, hungry to have God in America, hungry to have a place where they could worship God. And there were many founding fathers who believed that Jesus the Christ was the son of the living God and came to provide a place for Israel to be blessed who will stand for this nation who will make up the hedge the foundations are being destroyed i'm telling you there's a foundation stone that was rejected that is a chief cornerstone that when we remove that chief cornerstone friends we're to stand on the rock christ jesus that is the only solid rock in this hour This nation was built upon a firm foundation and the nation is cracking. The foundations are being destroyed and what will the righteous do about it? At some point, friends, we've got to be stirred and realize that God's appointed us to this hour to do something. I want the worship team to come back. Please, no one leave because I'm about to ask you to do something. Blessed is the nation. Whose God is the Lord? This week or the following week, our Supreme Court will rule whether to redefine the biblical view of marriage. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. Everyone say, God have mercy on us. If we forget the word of God, he will forget our children. How a young man with no repentance, no remorse. And yet from the congregation and the families were with such pain. They were issuing love and forgiveness. And yet no repentance, no remorse. We have created a generation. And I don't just mean that by one age group. I'm talking about people of all age groups. That know not God. Do not respect God. Do not honor God serving the idols of this land we've given ourselves to no longer being a christian nation we have bought into that and that we're a nation of many religions i want to tell you it was not so i want everyone to stand who will stand for america who will stand for this nation the next 90 days Listen to the preacher. The next 90 days are important. It's actually just a few more than 90 days, but that number is just resonating in my spirit. 90 days. That I'm calling this church to pray at a different level. Intercession. Seeking the face of God. Humbling ourselves for this nation. It's not just about fireworks next Sunday. It's about revival in America. When the church went outdoors, God sovereignly did something. And we're going outdoors next Sunday. And next Sunday night, we're going to preach the gospel to a generation. 90 days is important, and I'm asking, who will pray? Who will call on the name of the Lord for America? This could be, you know, people get all stirred up. I got a note this week don't desecrate the flag don't let it touch the ground well it's not touching the ground if you come up here and look we're meeting all flag protocol amen Amen. people post flags all along and all the time and have they never pray they never seek God for America never darken the doors of the house of God worship spirit listen you don't love America if you don't pray for America if you're not willing to fast for the nation, if you're not willing to stand up and stand in this hour, if you're given to inaction, friends, that's action all on its own. Your silence of standing for what's right in America is being heard in heaven. And I'm asking this morning, there's several hundred rocks on this stage. We had to go get more because in the early service people came and got the rocks. But this rock represents a commitment by you that for the next 90 days leading us through the latter part of September, every day you will pray for America. You'll put that rock in a visible place and for 90 days you're going to pray and we're going to repent and we're going to call on the name of the Lord and we're going to believe God. If you take one of these rocks, I want it in a visible place, and I want it as a daily reminder, pray for America. And I want you to pass out those cards, and I want you to do everything possible to get people out next Sunday night. Because I believe revival is coming to a nation. America shall be saved. If you want to pick up one of these rocks, I'll get you to wait just a moment. You can go ahead and get yours, J.D., but wait. Everybody else wait because we need to bow our heads. This is more important. If you're not saved, if you're not a believer, Dad, the greatest thing that you can give to your family. You know, when I have to counsel with young people, they're strung out on drugs, addicted to alcoholism, so terribly bad. And their families don't know what's going on. And our staff has to deal with things that... And you look back at the home and the family and you see there's a never attendance at things that really matter. Occasional attendance at church is not going to cut it. It's not going to save your children. If you forget God, God will forget your children. And it's time, parents... Dads, it's time to be real. It's time to get back to God. It's time to lead our families to worship, lead our families to prayer, to be faithful to God. Somebody say amen to the pastor. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're not where you ought to be with God, I want you to slip your hand up for prayer. You know you're not where you ought to be with God. Come on. Anywhere in this sanctuary. God bless you up in the balcony. In the very back of the balcony, I see you. Amen. God bless you. You can let your hand out. God bless you down front, sir. Amen. God bless you in the back, under the balcony. Yes, ma'am. Maybe you're Jonah and you've been running from God. People have been emailing, Facebook messaging, talking to me personally. say, Pastor, I'm the Jonah. I've been running from God. I'm out of the will of God. I'm coming home. I'm getting right with God. I know god gave me this sermon series for this month of june you don't want to miss next week i want everybody to move and i'm not going to keep you much longer but come on if you need to turn to jesus come on from the balcony under the balcony right now if you're a backslider you're away from god i invite you to come right now come on come come you raised your hand come on come, come I want every person that wants to pick up a rock as a point of prayer, I want you to come get a rock right now from all over this sanctuary, pick up your belongings in the sanctuary. This is your covenant to pray for America. If you're not going to pray, don't take a rock. Once you got your rock, if you'll leave the altar area so all the people coming can get Come get your rock there's nothing holy about this rock it didn't come from israel but it's a covenant you're making i'm gonna pray for my nation who will stand for america who will pray we will seek the face of God. Come on, lead us in that worship. And then we're going to pray our dismissal prayer. Come on, everyone. And slip up your hands come on slip your hands heaven floodgates of heaven the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone God and country united once again revival in America If you'll pray, if you'll seek God for America, join your pastor, join your deacons, join your leaders. Come on, if you'll commit yourself to prayer, seeking God in this hour, 90 days, 90 days to revival, 90 days to see America turn to God. Heal our people of their sins. I want everybody to lift your hands up. Come on, lift your hands. Pray for the reign of the Spirit, the reign of the Holy Ghost. Pray for America. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voices. Come on, let's repent for our sins. Repent for the sins of our nation. Oh Lord, forgive us, cleanse us. Lord, we repent for the waywardness. Lord, we repent, God, for dads who have drifted from safe foundations. Draw the dads back. Prophetically, Lord, you said that you would bring the sons home. Bring the generation of sons and daughters, sons to their fathers, daughters to nurse at their mother's side. Lord, let parents be what they ought to be. Rise up in this hour and be spiritual leaders, O God. Take our nation back. We take America back. We bow our knee and we confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. We cry out, O Lord. You heard Jonah's cry in the belly of the fish. Oh God, would you not respond from heaven? Would you not respond? Would you not visit America this summer? The summer of 2015. The summer, oh God, let this be an hour, 90 days of revival, 90 days of an awakening. Let the rain of your Spirit come. Let the wind of the Holy Ghost, the fire of the Holy Ghost fall upon this nation. Not natural fire, not natural wind, not natural rain. But the wind of the Holy Spirit flow flow flow
1: it not I, said the Lord, is it not I, saith the Lord, that have founded your nation, yet your people have rejected the chief cornerstone? Though your foundations have become cracked and they crumbled upon your children, prophesy to these stones, Hallelujah. prophesy to the brokenness of your generation, Hallelujah. shall these bones live can these bones live again? Yet I say they shall live again. Yet I say I'm calling a generation of men. I'm calling a generation of people that will prophesy to the brokenness and the brokenness of your society to be healed, to raise up a generation of intercessors and warriors that will stand for righteousness, justice, truth in this generation. Will you answer the call? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hallelujah, who will stand, who will stand? Come on, everyone lift your hands and lift your voices to the Lord. This generation needs to know our God. This generation needs to encounter God. Hallelujah, who will stand for America? Who will stand for our families? Who will stand for a nation turning back to God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.